Welcome to the Steady On Podcast, where God's hard truth meets your hard story. I don't need to tell you that life gets hard. Life gets hard, really hard. But God's faithfulness is still active and alive in our hard. And these episodes are dedicated to remembering and claiming the promises of a faithful God. I'm your host, Angie Bauman. I'm a pastor and Bible teacher, founder of Steady On Ministries, and creator of the Step-by-Step Bible Study Method. But more than that, I'm a trauma and abuse survivor who carried a heavy weight of shame and worthlessness for many years, and I still struggle, but I live in much more freedom now because I know God through His Word and speak truth to the lies of the enemy with His Word. And that's what we do here. On Mondays, we take it in by studying the promises of God, and on Wednesdays, we live it out with teaching and testimony on the promises of God. So thank you for tuning in, my friend. You are the reason for this show. And I'm so very, very glad you are here. Let's get started. Hello, my friend, and welcome into episode 156, which I am calling Church Hurt. My guest today is pastor, missionary, and podcaster, Paul Granger. I'm no stranger to Church Hurt, and I often say there's no hurt like Church Hurt. Because experiencing woundedness within a faith community shakes us in a way that few other things do. Even if we don't know we do, I think we believe a church community is safer than the outside world. And when that belief is challenged, it can cause us to feel let down, not only by the people of the church, but by God himself. Factions within the church are nothing new. We see them addressed repeatedly in scripture over and over again. We're called to be humble to conduct ourselves according to God's instructions and to be unified in the love God pours out upon us. Pride is the stumbling block which causes division, which is why our verse this week is Proverbs 15:33, which says in the ICB, respect for the Lord will teach you wisdom. If you want to be honored, you must not be proud. If you or someone you love has been hurt within the church, I really think you'll appreciate Paul's honesty and encouragement and practical advice around our healing and our role in helping others experience the church as a safe harbor. Let's listen in. Hello, Steady On community, and welcome into this podcast episode. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today is Paul Granger. Paul, welcome to the Steady On community. I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited about our conversation. I am too. We are going to talk about something that I think is pretty hard, and that is uh, church hurt, being wounded in faith community. And I, I know, Paul, that a while back, a couple years ago now, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, you did mm-hmm. a podcast, as you are a podcaster, uh, you did a podcast series on conversations around the aftermath of church wounding. And I'm just wondering why. Why, what led you to that, (laughs) (laughs) to open that box um, and maybe just tell us a little bit about the why and the, what did you learn? Yeah. Well, the why is funny because that it was not my plan. It was not something I wanted to do because even at the start, it's like, we started saying, we're excited about this conversation and then church, Church man, (laughs) this is not a exciting topic. And what happened was, you know, in my podcast, one thing I try to do is be attentive to what God might be saying, what God might be inviting. And really randomly one time, I think I had been processing uh, so many people that I know that have experienced church hurts, my own church hurts, uh, people that have been wrestling with the idea of Christianity, especially the last few years within American Christianity, there's been questions and concerns and volatility and 
And I just had this random thought one day, not even a thought, but this felt this prompt, like God was saying, hey, I want to invite you to do a series focused on issues people have with me and with the church and with Christianity. And I'm like, oh, that's going to invite as a host, that's going to invite a lot of conflict. And I don't know if I want that. And that's going to put me in a hard place. But one thing I've learned over the years of God giving invitations is the best thing to do is just to accept them, not to try to figure them out, not to try to figure out if I can do it, just to say, all right, God must do something I don't. And it's funny, you know, the first conversation wasn't even somebody that I knew. I had posted something on Facebook and a friend of mine then reshared that. And so my first few guests were all people from him. So I went into these conversations blind. All I knew is that they had some issue with God, Christianity, or the church. So there was no preparation or anything. And that was something I felt like God was inviting me to is to go in blind. Trust me in this. Don't try to figure it out yourself or be the, the, the savior or the fixer. And so this guy sharing his conversation, his life within the church and hardships he had experienced. And he gets to this place where he stops talking. And I know it's not the end of the story, but I'm trying to, as a good host, facilitate, you know, okay, continue. So I was like, all right, well, yeah, that's, thank you so much for sharing all this. And so it sounds like you're, you're still maybe with that church, but you're trying to discern what moving forward looks like. He's like, oh no, man, I'm an atheist now. And I'm like, oh, he's like, Oh, am I your first atheist on your God podcast? I was like, yeah. And then we kept going. And it was, I mean, it was a fun, amazing conversation. And there was an agnostic, somebody who identifies as agnostic that came on. Uh, and so, I mean, I'm talking about the wide breadth from folks who had said, nope, I don't believe that God exists to folks that are like, I want to believe that God exists. And it's really hard to stay at the table and everyone in between. And what was so beautiful is one, they weren't daunting, frightening conversations. God showed up in the conversations. Two, I kind of knew this going in, but it was affirmed that the goal of the conversations wasn't to fix the person or to fix the situation or to even explain this. Oh, this is why the church did this to you. This wasn't the take sides. Like God had invited me to create a space to process him. That's it. My role was to facilitate that space. And what was beautiful is I discovered that that's actually what so many of us really want, right? In our hardships is we don't want somebody necessarily to fix it or explain it or solve it. Sometimes the first and foremost thing that we're longing for is to be seen and be heard. And I knew from my own experience, and this ended up coming out in the conversations, that in my hardest moments of church hurt, that's what I longed for is for someone to actually see me hurting, actually hear my words, not dismiss them, not explain them away. And, you know, I, I think the part of the reason I wonder if God pushed me to do this series is because we don't talk about it. We don't. And there's all kinds of reasons. One, like we have this assumption that Christians are always supposed to be nice and good. And therefore Christian context should always be nice and good. And if something nice and good isn't happening, well, it must be that person's fault or that person's fault. But if we bring light to it, then other people are going to see it and then we're not going to look good. Or, or what does it say about me if I'm a part of that? Am I not a real Christian? Is God not really? All, there's all, all kinds of questions that come out when we start to dig in. And it's understandable to be fearful <laughs> of those questions. The thing is, is we haven't been given a spirit of fear. And so... The invitation is how can we acknowledge the threat and the risks and the fears 
and also acknowledge that God is God and God is good. And then step into that space. When we don't do that, that's when the woundings go from, you know, rashes to scrapes to gouges to, I mean, limbs coming right off. And we can get mad at the people who might be those limbs, but the, the problem started much earlier than that. Yes. Yeah. They, they are the evidence of the problem, not the problem. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I'm wondering in the conversations you had with the variety of different people and the variety of different choices that they made following whatever happened, happened, did you see some similarities in their, in, in either their, like their feelings? What were, what were some of the things that they were carrying or had carried yeah. after whatever happened to them inside the faith community happened? Yeah. You know, a verse that I think about a lot is, uh, well, a theme that I think about a lot within scripture, because there's many verses that tap on this, but the wisdom of God being foolishness to man or the wisdom of man being foolishness to God. And I think there's this recurring theme that in all of these experiences, there are logical responses. There are legitimate responses. This person said this to me, that would make me feel this way. Therefore, I am angry or I am sad. Or this person did this or this leader or this church did this. And that makes me not feel safe. Therefore, I don't think I can say here like logical responses. And if there is a wisdom of God that supersedes, that extends far beyond our own logic, that means there may be situations that we look at and have a pretty good idea of what's happening, but we may not fully understand it. And the best we can do sometimes on our own is to take our limited knowledge and understanding and our desires and our past experiences and, and put it all together. But what I think scripture invites us to is one, an invitation to be willing to stay at the table with God. So the story of Job is a beautiful example of that. Job was understandably pretty upset with God, but had chosen not to disown God, not to curse God and die. But when he finally had an audience with God, he's like, God, explain yourself to me. What <laughs> right? is this? Because surely there is God must have some logical explanation that he owes me. And instead, God says, uh, basically, you wouldn't be able to understand it. You can't even understand what I've created. And that answer ended up surprisingly being sufficient because what Job learned in that moment is fixing the situation or solving the situation or explaining the situation is a lesser goal to the greater goal of knowing who God is and what he's inviting us to in relationship. Now that's a high and lofty thing, right? Like we'll say that in Bible study in church, it's a much harder thing when you're sitting there trying to pray to God and you're like, I don't even want to pray to him because I've tried over and over and over. So I want to name that because somebody could be listening and says, say, well, that's nice for you to say, but I don't, I don't know how to even connect with God which is why I think God puts the other piece in play. You're called to love God and love others. And so there's this others piece. You know, when we're in community with people who are also authentically trying to seek God, right? So, and I, I want to name that too. We're talking about church church. So I'm not just saying in community with other Christians, because that's a, that's a broad sweep of a term. Somebody who identifies as Christian here might look different than somebody who identifies as a Christian here, right? Because sometimes it's just... My family was always Christian. Sometimes it's, no, I've given up all my <laughs> desires in life and I'm going hard for God and a whole world in between. And so if you're in a body of people, if you're in community with people who are authentically to the best of their ability, imperfectly trying to seek God, well, something different can happen because we've all been given different ways of seeing the world. Like some people see it very analytically. Some people see it 
from a very heart standpoint. And when you have a body of people that can look at your situation from different vantage points, they may be able to see things, may be able to see God in ways that you couldn't from your limited space. And so what I found is that of the people I've talked to, some had healthy people around them that maybe the church hurt them, but they had people who were authentically seeking God. They were able to help them walk through that, get them through that hard season, allow them to stay at the table. For other people, they did not feel like they had that at all in their faith community. And so all they had was themselves. And so what's the point of staying here? <laughs> like I'm wrestling and no one seems to get it. Um, and in the hardest moments that can extend all the way up to how we engage with God. But I think at the very heart of it, it's still that core desire to be seen and heard, that core desire to understand, and that lingering, frustrating invitation to accept that something might be beyond us. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know what to do with that. We don't want that sometimes. Well, and I say this a lot here, but I think we struggle so much to wrestle with the mystery of God. Like we want to take the mm -hmm. mystery out of faith and, and even the church encourages us in a lot of ways to take the mystery out of faith. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, we're left with this uncomfortableness of not having the answer, but we can also have the comfortable comfortableness. No, those aren't great mm -hmm. words of knowing that we don't, we, we can't have the answer. We aren't supposed yeah. to have the answer. As I'm listening to you talk, I'm wondering, there seems to be a difference between the people who feel like even God didn't see and hear them. Right. Cause what you said, I want to be seen. I want to be heard. And I think that, that I was in church and I was hurt and now I don't want anything to do with any of it. Maybe, what do you think about this? It stems from even like, not only did the people not see or hear, I didn't have a seat at that table, if you will, but I don't believe that God saw or mm -hmm. heard either. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. No, I think that's legitimate because, and this has been the core question of the current season that I'm doing focused on sitting and suffering is, I mean, the question that's been asked for centuries, if God is God and God is good, then how can suffering happen? Because in our minds, the proof that God has heard me in my struggle is that he has fixed the struggle or explained the struggle or taken me out of the struggle, right? And so if that hasn't happened, then how could God be God and how could he be good? How can he be powerful if this was too much of an issue for him to deal with? How can he be good if he sees me struggling and he doesn't pull me out of it? And, you know, I think really what we're talking about is something that all of us struggle with is we have a limited understanding of God which let's be fair. We're talking about the creator of all things, of all the universe. Like who are we to think we could package him into a nice, neat little broad, sweet box. But what that means is if we can't, then there are going to be moments where his actions, his character doesn't make sense to us. That's on a basic level. But the other problem is, you know, scripture has very, very strong words about false teachers, false prophets, in other words, people who are intentionally or not uh, casting an incorrect, inaccurate description of who God is and what he's after. And that happens all the time. So now what happens if you have been in a church or a body of believers that are communicating a false understanding of who God is? Uh, example, uh, a lot of people I've talked to, the understanding that they were given of God was a frightening one. I mean, this... 
God made you and expects perfection of you. And if you sin, you're spitting in his face and he's going to spit you out. So you better not sin. And suddenly you get into your mind, oh my gosh, like you look up at God and he's this angry God. So why would I even ask for him to help me? Or no, he's definitely not right. Or sometimes people could be given the opposite. I mean, God loves you. You're his, your sweet little boy, sweet little girl. And he's got you in his arms all the time. And well, what happens when you feel like you're not in God's arms? Like, God, if I'm in your arms, then why does this hurt so much, right? The reality is, is God is more robust than we will ever understand on this side of eternity. But we're still people trying to make sense of it. And so, yeah, it, it can be very natural for us to question, God, were you actually there? Because <laughs> his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. <laughs> so who we are and how we see this situation, God, who he is and how he sees it, completely different. I mean, as the East is from the West, completely different. But if we carry with us understandings of God that aren't accurate, then now we're also interpreting him based on that. If we're carrying with us expectations of God that aren't accurate, we're also pinning that on them. And so, yeah, I mean, it's very natural for us to question if God is there. The question becomes, the invitation becomes, will we still be willing to step towards him even if we're not confident he's there yeah i remember it's been a few years ago i was wrestling with some of the very things that you're talking about and wanting understanding and one of the things the lord really this was really hard for me to hear because it didn't sound kind from the lord at first although it it felt kind but it didn't see like i didn't want to hear it i guess i'll say it that way but i really felt like the lord opened my heart to this understanding that my comfort level is not his priority right Mm -hmm. like that you know and that was like at first I was a little bit wounded by that, you know, because of what you're saying, right? Like, because I want to be, if I come to you every day with this hurt, if I come to you seeking healing, I don't want the answer that my grace is sufficient for you. I don't want the answer that actually this is something that you need because it keeps you driving to me, you know, it keeps you coming Mm -hmm. to me or whatever. I want the answer of yes, if I pray and ask and try to live according to your will that I'll get better. And I felt like the answer from him was you are better. You just don't see better the way that I see better. Right. You know, and, um, and that was really, that was tough for me, but I, I am learning to appreciate that in a different way because I, because actually almost like my comfort level isn't good enough for me like from him, if that makes sense. And, um, but it's, but that that's hard. I think that's hard for all of us to believe in the loving parent who would, who would let let us, or I don't know. I don't know if I like that word, but who, who uses whatever the world throws at us, if you will, uh, instead of taking it away, uses it for our good. I want to ask you a question that I know the answer to, but I want you to, (laughs) I want to hear what you have to say. You talked about false teaching and pinning things like a, a a church body, maybe like teaching us something that we're pinning on God. And that's part of the reason our expectations aren't being met. met. What's the remedy for that, Paul? What's the remedy Mm. for not, um, Mm. yeah. 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 So I think, you know, part of the remedy is naming it and watching for it. So this is what you see in a lot of the epistles. So often the writers of those letters are like, look, hey, I'm trying to tell you there are false teachers. I think in that is the acknowledgement that you have to acknowledge that every spiritual leader you know is imperfect. Every spiritual leader you know is not Jesus and not God. They are ambassadors of Christ. But even an ambassador 
can misrepresent the kingdom they come from, right? And so we've got to have that awareness. Uh, and accountability is another piece. And so the dangerous thing about how we navigate spiritual leaders now is spiritual leaders can amass a lot of power and influence and then be protected. I mean, not even just spiritual leaders, leaders in general. And it almost becomes this cult around them of our mission is to protect this leader. We've got to watch out for that too. I mean, Jesus intentionally didn't put the spotlight on himself. People wanted to. His disciples are like, look, let's, <laughs> come on, let's tell everyone. <laughs> Even the enemy, when he met uh, Jesus in the wilderness, like tried to tempt him with that. Look, I could get everyone to know who you are. There's a danger to reputation. There's a danger to what, like all these things that we chase after in life. What God knows is those things can actually uh, leads you astray. But that mentality can go beyond the leader in even to how we navigate a church, because there could be some false teachings that are being taught from a church because the real teaching is going to make you lose members, is going to make you lose those donations, is going to make you lose reputation. Now we can misuse this. Some people will take that to justify other false teaching. Well, people are resisting it be because what I'm saying is true, right? So like, we got to be careful. But this is the answer. This, this is the answer. Scripture calls us to humbly call, come before God in prayer, right? In every moment, in every sermon, in every day, if we're not willing to humbly come to God in prayer, then we are opening ourselves up to ourselves and to the enemy. Before you and I started this conversation, you said, hey, I want to pray before we start. If you didn't do that, I mean, God could still work, but we could just go into it as ourselves, but you and I know <laughs> we're, we are imperfect <laughs> and God is perfect. So you wanted to invite him into this space. We wanted to be willing if he changed the course of it, that we weren't to say, no, 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 no. We've got our questions. We've got our things we want to talk about. Humility, humility before God through prayer, but in our life, that, that is the answer. And we don't do that because it looks like foolishness most of the time. It is costly most of the time. And I want to say this too, while you were talking about, uh, you know, how a good father would interact with it, a, a good parent would engage with us. You know, I think we've got to acknowledge too, and this is where the humility comes in, that scripture refers to us as spiritual babies all the time, spiritual infants that aren't even ready for the solid food yet. We want to believe that we're like solid. And that's what we thought when we were kids, right? I mean, we could all think back to moments where we thought a certain way about a situation and we were convinced we were right. We confronted our parents about a certain thing because we knew we were right. And we could look back now and say, oh man. Or for those of us that are parents would be like, oh man, the way my kid is acting with me right now, like I totally get it now. And you come to understand God a little deeper too in that because Think about it. If we're driving in a car, right? And two parents and a bunch of kids. What do the kids do if you're on a trip? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because what their, their reality is, I don't like being contained in this space. I want to be out in the world. I want to be at the final destination. Why do we have to wait this long time? This seat is uncomfortable. I'm, I'm the back seat in the middle on the hump. Like this is uncomfortable. This, this uh, seatbelt is cutting into my neck. Like we are keenly aware of all the things that we don't like, all the ways that we think that that should not be what it is. I take the seatbelt off. My parent tells me <laughs> to put it back on. It's like, well, now my parent must not care about it. Like, But meanwhile, the parents know the only way we're going to get to our destination is in this car. The only way it's safe to drive is if we're buckled up. And 
the only way we could stay safe is driving the speed limit and there's a certain distance. So it will take this much time. Like, so the parents don't give sufficient answers to, are we there yet? Are we there? Are we there yet? Cause what the parent knows is it's not going to satisfy the kid because the kid doesn't understand the concept of a long trip. The kid doesn't understand the concept of transportation. How much more so God who is taking us to a, an amazing destination, eternity, like a full life. But meanwhile, we're in the backseat thinking about the here and now, thinking about this life and our comfort. And God, this job's uncomfortable and it's cutting into me and this person and that other. Why aren't you helping me, God? Why aren't we there yet? Right. Yeah. But yeah. God knows. God knows the plans he has for us. He knows where he's trying to take us. He knows who he's created us to be. And he loves us. The parents love their kids even as they complain in the back. God loves us even as we complain. And sometimes, he may even express compassion <laughs> in a way like a parent might pull off the road. Let's stop at this favorite restaurant, like, because he is a good God, yeah. but he knows what we actually need mm. when we actually need it and what we don't need to be protected from, because he's actually doing something bigger yeah. than just the here and now struggles. I love that example so much. Thank you. Because it, I mean, it, it's so personal to me because in, in that mm. moment, the parent is like, I care that you're uncomfortable. That does matter to me, but it's not mm-hmm. my priority. My priority is getting to you, getting you where I'm taking you. Right. And so yeah. this part of it is uncomfortable and you don't like it, but it's okay. And you're okay. Yeah. And I'm here and I'm driving yeah. and it's good. Yeah. 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 Tell me as someone in the church, as someone in ministry, how, how do we notice this church hurt in people? How, uh, and how do we help how do we do our part so that people maybe do feel more seen and heard? Because I think that's such an important part of this. We cannot stop this from happening, right? We yeah. are we're not able to do that. We're not all powerful. But I think we can be one of those people who mm-hmm. says, I see and hear you. And I w- would like to be a reason why you don't just give up on this. What yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think one, we need to acknowledge that it's... <sighs> It's simultaneously a skill set that God's inviting us to have and one we can't really mm. sufficiently do on our own. Yeah. So there's scripture, I think it's in Ephesians 4, maybe don't quote me on it, but we're quoted because this is a recording uh, that <laughs> talks about the fivefold gifts of the spirit, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. The way that I like to think about that is it's not just gifts you have or skills you have or jobs you have. It's actually ways that God has equipped you to see and understand mm. the world and how to convey it out. So the teacher sees and understands information in a unique way. Like we all know teachers, it's like, how did you figure that out? How did you see that? And then they can communicate. How were you able to convey that like mathematical equation to me? Well, the shepherd is what we're talking about here. The shepherd has the unique ability to see and perceive others. We like to say that everyone's made in the image of God, but it's really easy for us to not see people as that. We like to see people as broad sweeps. Well, that person is a mean person. That person is a drug addict. That person is a, that person is a, and however we understand that broad sweep is how we're now going to engage with that person. The shepherding gift allows the person to be able to see people as God sees them. Uh, It's kind of like when you hear the passages about the 99 sheep and then there's the one, imagine what the other 99 sheep are feeling like, oh, come on, there's Larry again, wandering off. So like he deserves it. This is the fifth time he's done. He deserves it. And he, now it's holding us up. We can't get to the river now because we got to wait for the shepherd to go out. And, but the shepherd sees that as a beloved sheep, just like all the rest and engages with it differently. And so because that's, that's an invitation that God's giving all of us, but because it's something that we can't 
it's a spirit led thing, we've, we've got to invite it. So I think first and foremost, let's acknowledge that we may not see people accurately all the time, that we might see people in broad sweeps and re respond accordingly. But then also let's say, hey, God, help me to have eyes to see. Jesus, how often he had eyes to see people that others didn't, like Zacchaeus up in the tree, or that they didn't want to see, like the Pharisee said, he's eating with sinners, right? Because he saw them as God saw them, right? He wants us to do the same. He said, do as I have done, <laughs> follow me, follow my lead. And so are we willing to go into spaces inviting God to change how we see, how we see others? And are we willing then to accept the cost of that? Because God may put you in a relationship with someone that it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you financially. It's going to cost your reputation. Because uh, that's what Jesus experienced, right? And then I think the third thing is this. This is really important. Are we willing to release our idea of what success is? Because success for us is that the wound is completely healed and that there's never any wounding again. But until we get to eternity, we're living in a broken world with broken people. And if that's the goal that we're chasing, then we're going to feel like we're failing if we're still having traumatic responses. We're going to feel like uh, God is failing if he hasn't fixed this body of believers around us. And, you know, like we talked about there, we would love for God to bring utter healing to our trauma. Like, the deepest wounds I've experienced in my life have all been from Christians, all of them. I can't think of a single significant wound in my life that came from someone that wasn't a Christian. Now, to be fair, most of my interactions, I've been in spaces where it's been predominantly Christian, but that doesn't change the fact that this was a body of people that was supposed to love and care for me, right? And I still, to this day, wounds that are years old have traumatic responses to it. And I could end up thinking, man, well, did I not forgive that person well enough? Or did God not heal me well enough? Or did I not, did I not? But what I've come to learn is that actually equipped me to be a better host for that season of questioning because I wasn't coming in prideful thinking, well, this person shouldn't be mad at God. <laughs> this person shouldn't talk bad about the church. No, I was like, actually, no. Uh, I've been disappointed with God and the church has hurt me. <laughs> so I'm able to sit at this table in a non-judgmental way. I'm able to see and understand this person. And so are we willing to release the goal that the answer is for everything to be fixed and to say, no, the answer is to love God and love others. That's actually the goal. Am I willing to love God even when he's not fixing the situation? Am I willing to love others even though I'm being hurt? Some of the wounds that I've experienced, I'm still in the same church body. Some of those people aren't there anymore, but there are still hurts, but God's invited me to stay at the table. And that becomes an expression for me of loving God and loving others. Now I have to trust God to help me to be able to yes. do that because in my humanity, I don't always want to, but I think God is not a bad father. Mm. And so in the moments where it seems like he's not there and when the moments when it seems like we don't have enough and when it seems in the moments that there aren't people around us that care, scripture tells us that God is with us, that he does love us, that his grace is sufficient for us, and that he has created us for community. So there is a reality that exists amidst this rough reality that we're sitting in the midst of. And sometimes the, the only thing we can do, but sometimes the best thing we can do is take a teeny little step in the direction of that other reality. Yeah. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if we don't know how to get there, even if we don't know where our foot's going to land, a teeny step, because little steps add up. Yeah. Little steps add up. Yeah. But if we don't step, man. <laughs> then we're adding our voice to the silence. 
yeah. I think, right? Like, you know, and um, and just letting someone hurt if we see it and not saying, it's like when someone's grieving, you don't, we don't have words to fix that, right? But to say, mm-hmm. I don't know how to fix this, but I see that this, that this church or that we or whatever the case may be has hurt you. And I care about yeah. that. And that can, yeah. that can mean so much to someone else. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you have rattled off here a lot of different scriptures and <laughs> I know that in a good way, I say that in a wonderful yeah. way, I've jotted down multiple scripture verses that you even either quoted or referred to, but I'm wondering like, as you were doing that podcast episode uh, season or in your work like this, is there a particular scripture or ver- um, passage, anything like yeah. that, that's just really important to you as you're like this, this is the heart of what I'm talking about here. Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's so many verses that over the course of life, different seasons, like, ah, this is the life verse. Mm -hmm. Oh no, now this is the life verse. But one that I've been sitting with a lot that I think captures all of it is Ephesians 3.20. To him who's able to do far abundantly more, far exceedingly more than we could ask for or imagine because of the power at work within us. Yeah. And the reason that's so important is because what it's saying is there are things that we're asking for. There are things that we're imagining. And sometimes they're justified things like, oh, I would love to be a part of a church that will never hurt me. That's that's fair. <laughs> that is understandable. That is a good thing to long for. Worship Meanwhile, online by yourself. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's how that's going to happen, right? <laughs> yeah. But this is what's beautiful is that scripture says that to him who's able to do far abundantly more, which means that whatever our best case scenario is, whatever our best idea is, pales in comparison to what God is trying to do. So that's the the front part of that verse is, yeah, I get why you think this would be the best case scenario in the situation. And that's why you want God to do it your way. But God actually wants to do something abundantly more than that, like better than that. But the other end is on the back end of that that part of the passage because of the power at work within us. Because again, there, there are plenty of books in the bookstore that are about how you can fix your situation how you can fix this relational situation, how you can do this, how you can do that, why you should leave this relationship, why you should leave this church. And man, it can get really frustrating when what works in one situation doesn't work in another or what you know everyone's telling you to do and what you should do because it's logical. You feel like God's telling you to do the opposite. Like, God, why should I stay at this job that I'm being <laughs> like emotionally abused in? Are you sure, God? Because common sense says to leave. No, it's because of the power at work within us The spirit can actually invite us to places we would never go. And the spirit can actually equip us in spaces that we could never survive. And so this is the invitation. When we are experiencing church hurt, one, I just want to name again for anyone that's listening that what you've experienced, like it's legitimate. Like church hurt is real, even if we don't talk about it. Church hurt hurts, even if we don't talk about it. And those wounds can last throughout our lifetime. Like, let's just name that. But the good news is, is even in the midst of the worst hurts, God is actually after, actively after, actively working on abundantly more than our best ideas, our best plans, because there is a power at work within us, even if we don't recognize it, don't feel it. Because God is doing something. He's the good parent who is in the car, got the steering wheel, dealing with our complaining in the back. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Why, why are we doing this? He is, he is actively in the car with us, loving us in the midst because he knows where he wants to take us. That's going to be the full life. I've come that you can have life and have it to the fullest. Jesus didn't want us to settle for our good lives. He wants full life. Love that. 
That's fantastic. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate your wisdom and your humility around it. And not, I, I, I feel like you, I, I haven't listened to all the conversations from that uh, season. I've listened to some of them. And I do feel like one of the things that's so inviting about them is that you do come to the table with a spirit of humility yourself and just saying, I want to learn. I want to listen to what you have to say about this. And it's welcome here. So thank you for providing space for that. And I will definitely link those episodes uh, in today's show notes. And before I let you go, Paul, I love to share resources. So will you tell us, give us just a little peek into your life, what's in your earbuds or on your nightstand? What are you reading, listening to anything? Yeah. Well, you know, one thing I actually was thinking about today is one of my go-tos if I'm like, okay, we've already talked about, I've got young kids. So having the time to do a robust Bible study is very hard. Having a quiet space to pray next to impossible. And what I had to learn is that there are going to be seasons in our life where we might not be able to engage with God in the ways that we assume we're supposed to, or that might we might even want to. And so sometimes I've found it uh, really beautiful to have these easy access ways to connect with God. So my utmost for his highest has been like over the course of years, like a regular go-to. And I was thinking about it today because I was like, oh, I haven't read that in a while. But there, when I look at my Facebook memories, I see all the times that I posted it. I was like, okay, this has been relevant. But you know, even something as simple as for the person who's like, man, it's been hard for me to connect with God, to remember to connect with God, to, to read the Bible, man, just get like a verse of the day widget, right? Put it on your phone. And then you have a simple way, a simple touch point. Because again, I talked earlier about that little teeny toe nudge for that little teeny step. Like God sees our efforts, even if they are weak and small and seem insignificant. He sees every step towards him as a step towards him. And so that's what I would say. I love those moments in this season of my life where there are easy ways to have a touch point with God. And I can't wait until my kids are older and I could actually <laughs> sit and have a 30 minute, you know, whatever. But in the meantime, God's still going to meet me <laughs> wherever yeah. I step towards him. I love that. And to find ways that on your short commute, if it's a short one or while you're yeah. walking your dog, if there's one, like, what are you what, what are you doing in those, like in the margins or in the, mm-hmm. you know, in the cracks, a lot of times in this online ministry thing, we talk about working in the cracks, right? Because a lot yeah. of us are balancing a variety of things. And so we're, we have 30 minutes here or 20 minutes there and we're getting stuff done. And, and I think we can do the same. I know we can in our relationship with God as we're, mm-hmm. there are little places of time that if you are sort of like anticipating that you can fill that with one of those touch points that you're talking about and just yeah. uh, have that constant reminder in short ways that he is present in your day. So I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for this time. I just want to remind everyone that Paul can be found at where did you see God.com. His podcast is where did you see God? All of that will be in today's show notes. Is there anything else in particular or anywhere else, Paul, you would like to send the listeners to, to find anything that you are offering? Uh, you know what I would say, don't worry about what I'm offering. Cause everything, what I'm offering is stuff that God's given me. So I would send people to find a minute today to just sit with God. Even if you don't say a single thing, just make that a set apart time. This minute is yours. God do whatever. That's where I'm going to send people. I love that. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much again for visiting with us and friend. Thank you for listening until next time. Peace. Church attendance has changed so much in my life, and the impact COVID has had on how people do church is still unfolding. I don't have all the answers, but I do know this. The local church is the answer to every problem in the world. 
healthy faith communities who hear and respond to God's call on their lives, both individually and corporately, have the ability to be how God reaches wounded hearts with his love and his healing. So keep fighting the good fight, whatever that means in your life. Church attendance is important for you and for others. Our verse this week again is Proverbs 15.33. Hear it again in the NLT. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. And if you haven't yet, I hope you'll take a few minutes to listen to the Take It In that dropped on Monday this week where I focus on the word humility. Thank you again, Paul, for visiting with us and helping us talk about this often difficult subject matter. Next week, our Take It In verse will be Colossians 3.14 that teaches us that love binds us together in unity. And my Live It Out guest will be Lisa Jacobson. Lisa sat down with me to talk about the importance of having meaningful biblical conversations with our spouses and others so that we grow closer to them and love them with the love of the Lord. If you haven't yet, I'd be so grateful if you would follow the podcast on whatever directory you use to listen. It only takes a second, and it guarantees you'll see new episodes as soon as they drop. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, you are walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.